live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M, and joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host extraordinaire. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned into the entertainment edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you. So definitely make sure to swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there. We talked to everybody. Check out Parlay Points, new comics blogs <laughs> dropping this week. Holy cow. Might have been the most stacked lineup in history, Pad. I believe it. Check out the T Public Store sale going on for the Easter holiday. So if you want to get that ODPH swag, there is no better time right now to go get some shirts for less. Items are up to 35% off. You can't beat it, no matter how hard you try. All of that and so much more can only be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. But kicking off the entertainment edition, man, oh, man, we got a lot to recap with this episode. Yeah. What we've been doing, if you're new to the show, and thank you for checking us out for the first time, we recap everything going on with the MCU and Moon Knight, the surprise hit to some on Disney+, Plus, but not if you're a hardcore comic reader, has definitely got fans buzzing with the direction they're going in with the show. Oscar Isaac playing the title role of Stephen Grant slash Mark Spector slash Moon Knight, and the world that we are now checking out of him is definitely picking up a lot of steam. We are going to be talking about some spoilers because we are talking episode three entitled The Friendly Type. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, we are giving you fair warning now. We are going to start deep diving into this episode. So if you need to pause and then jump back in after you catch up. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and let's discuss this after the countdown drops. That said, in three, two, one, pad, what did you think? Thought the episode was all right. You know, enjoyed it. You know, thought the story was good. But I got to be honest, we're halfway through the season on this. The slow burn shit is killing me here. We got to start picking up the speed, picking up the pace, or I'm going to start losing interest very quickly. See, for me, I thought it was a good episode, but it went in a different direction than I was expecting. Because as we're seeing Oscar Isaac's character of Mark Spector is now trying to track down Ethan Hawke's Harrow, who is now the avatar for Amit. And he is now located... The tomb of Amit. So he's going to try doing a resurrection. Nothing wrong here. I mean, I can, I, can, I can think of a few things wrong with that, but hey. Right. But this is a situation. Everybody is now in Cairo. And this is where business is picking up, as they say. Yeah. Because Harrow is leading his disciples into the location by the mysterious scarab, which was a compass that was showing the way to the tomb, which is kind of weird that Mark Spector had it in his possession in the first place. But hey, we just chalk it up to reasons. And as we see with this episode, Mark Spector is now in Cairo as well. And he's battling his identity disorder and persona of Stephen Grant. Because everybody has an idea what to do here. Except Mark Spector is clearly the most qualified for this situation. In certain aspects, yeah. In more certain aspects, because he has a clearer grasp of what's going on than I think Stephen Grant does. Yeah. Albeit, though, his persona of Stephen Grant is now picking things up very quickly Uh in a very rapid amount of time, which I don't know how to read into that too much. Like, it could just be he's now adapting to what's the surroundings. but Now that he's aware of it, yeah. Yeah, it kind of gets that vibe. Because as you see, Spectre is just trying to get down to the location And it's just not really working out the way they do because, as we see, there's kind of some more of those blackouts as when when they're transferring personas. Yep. Yep. Which I like how Disney Plus is doing this. I like how the production team is really establishing it, that you know something's going on. But, however, when you jump back in, you see that he's now chasing after somebody on a rooftop that he's trying to get information from. Yep. And then, lo and behold, he winds up seeing that that person is killed by the Disciples of Harrow. And thus, we get a very interesting fight scene. Uh Uh-huh. Now, Pat, I want to know 
What was your take on the original fight scene between the three mercenaries, shall we call them, on the rooftop with Mark Spector? I thought it was a pretty decent fight. I was I was very in, uh, intrigued by it. See, what I was more intrigued by is for anybody that was questioning the violence level we were going to see on this show, I think this episode fully established that they're willing to push that PG-13 envelope. Oh, sure. Because we saw somebody getting you know stabbed in the throat. We saw a lot of knife moving. I do have to compliment the choreography for this stunt because it was definitely a very realistic fight. And this is something that, not to say we haven't really seen this on a Disney Plus show, but let's be honest. Right. Where else have we seen this in the realm of the MCU on Disney? Uh, not. I mean, not that I can think of. It certainly was violent, but like you really had to pay attention to see it. Like it, it was there enough that you could tell, but it wasn't to the level of like a Deadpool. Right. No, I I completely agree with you about that. But that is where I thought they really did a good job about establishing it and really pushing that envelope without going completely over the top. Because let's face it, if you've read a Moon Knight comic. Those lines get really pushed. I mean, completely pushed. So how they're depicting it on screen, I do like how they're doing it. Here. Right. This was a great fight scene. And albeit, though, after we see Mark Spector fight the mercenaries, well, Stephen Grant wakes up in a cab. Mm-hmm. And he's heading to the airport, uh-huh. which we don't know what's going on. But then he recognizes one of the people on top of the roof. And as he jumps out the car, hey, 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 hey I need to talk to you. And they're like, uh, fuck. Yeah, they're like, hell no, we're out of here. And he's like, no, 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 let me go talk, let me go talk. And then it turns into yet another fight scene. All the meanwhile, the cab driver's just trying to get his money. Yeah, and he's like, what the hell is going on? And then you just see everything go completely flip side. And then this is where, I got to say, the episode gets a little bit crazy. Lost. Lost. Yeah, I mean, it goes completely in a different direction because obviously we know Moon Knight is the avatar of the Egyptian god, Khonshu. Uh-huh. And Khonshu is in desperate attempts to stop Ahmed from being resurrected. And there comes this weird, how do you describe it other than like a heart-to-heart? Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what it was. Because now Khonshu is really getting desperate, as it feels. Because yeah. obviously, killing the people that work for Harrow, you're not going to get any information. And this is where it kind of really jumps out here, because... Kanshu more or less throws up the bat signal, yeah, so to speak. Yeah. Because, Pad, what does he cause? Uh, he causes a solar eclipse in the middle of the damn day, obviously, solar eclipse. Yeah. Because he needs to have a meeting with the gods and thus their avatars. And he's a little skeptical and nervous about doing this because he says, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, the last time I met with them, they kicked me out. Yeah, so Kanshu's not exactly the most well-liked person. No. And we're getting more and more of that from everybody who crosses him. It's kind of an interesting vibe that I'm picking up on. But then we do have the meeting of the avatars in the Great Pyramid. Yeah, the Great Pyramid of Giza. Yes. So this is kind of a cool scenario where you're seeing everybody's avatars show up. And it's kind of like a big uh, water cooler get-together. Yeah. and Almost a, why the fuck are we here? Yeah, it's kind of like, okay, something's going on. and, and Better have a damn good reason for this. And then once all the gods show up through their avatars, they're like, why have we been summoning? Kanchu is screaming, listen, Amit is trying to resurrect. This is not going to go well. We need to stop this. But they're almost treating it like he's, you know, the the little boy who cried wolf or like or chicken little. The sky is falling. Right. Because at this point, you're getting the vibe that, yeah, he's got himself in so much trouble in the past. Like, they don't even want to hear it. They're like they can't trust him. Yeah. They're just like they're tolerating him. And it's such a weird thing. And then to see like how Mark Spector's trying to explain it. And you see Kanchu take over when he needs to. and Uh And you're seeing him throw a temper tantrum. Yeah. Through him. It's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. But then when Harrow shows up and Harrow's like. No, I'm not trying to do this. Like, well, they, well, they bring him here. They're like, all right, well, you're making these accusations. These are some pretty strong accusations. Why don't we bring the accused here to speak for himself? Yeah. Court of law makes sense. Yeah, so he, he speaks and he completely denies everything. I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm not even here. I'm just I'm just here just so I don't get fired. And so we kind of see that back and forth. So Spectre is, like, shown out, even though he does get some help from another avatar, Yep. Yatsil? Uh, I believe so. Who is the avatar for Hathor. Mm-hmm. And basically is told, well, if you can find the location of the tomb, yep. you might be able to stop this. So let me see what I can do. Right, And doesn't she give him the hint that, like, hey, 
the tomb was found or the sarcophagus was found, but it was sold on the black market. So if you can find out where it was sold to, that's a good starting place. Right. So during this time, though, he has the most loyal partner I have ever seen on a show. Layla come through and help him out. And I got to say this. She is doing a fabulous job on this show being the supportive role. May Calme, who is playing Layla, is absolutely doing a phenomenal job because Layla is putting up with so much crap in this. Oh, my God, yeah. So it's crazy to see how she's, like, balancing out, but she's not freaking out and running away, which I I do like. And like I say, Calame is doing a stellar job with this and really kind of playing off Oscar Isaac. Like, the chemistry they got together is really working on this show. And they basically say, okay, well, we can go track this down. And she thinks that, well, I might know somebody who has it. I know a guy. Yes. And we do see that that's Anton Morgat, who's played by the late uh, Gaspar Utili. Yep. And basically, Leela's trying to say, okay, like, what can we do? You know, is there anything we can, like, you know, talk about here? And, well, you know, of course, meetings like this, Pat, how do they go? Oh, south faster than a wrestling than a wedding segment and a wrestling event. Yeah, because at this point, Harrow is sending in the troops, and during the uh, meeting of the mind, so to speak, the sarcophagus is destroyed. Well, because don't because well, well, what is it? They they get there, they explain what they want to do, and they like all right. He goes all right. I'll show you the sarcophagus. He lets him in to go see the sarcophagus. He stays outside of wherever it's being held. Harrow shows up with his entire posse in tow. Yeah, and goes hey. They're not here for what they say they are. I'm the. This is the real reason, I, you know, they're here, and and I can prove it to you. And he shows off a little bit of the power, and all, all of a sudden, Anton goes, "You son of a bitch, I'm in." Yeah, it's it's a wild scenario to see how it plays out, but it's 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 very very cool. So at this stage, though, we do see a crazy fight going on because at this point, Morgoth sent his people in. Yep, and this is a wild fight that's happening because. It's an argument about who is getting unleashed. There's metal spears, like literally, yeah, getting used. They're getting they're getting thrown around and, and everything. Good lord! Because yeah, there's almost like an equestrian track is there as well. Yeah, yeah, and they're just absolutely piercing Moon Knight, who is now flipping back between Mister Knight and Moon Knight. Right, like, and, and when we say they're piercing him, like we're not talking like oh he got stabbed in the heart and like whatever. No, like they're going through his limbs, like all the way through. In one side, out the other, and into the ground. Yeah, it's a crazy action sequence, but it's working, though, for what it needs to do. And for this, you're really seeing how his powers are working because it's at night. He's definitely feeling supercharged. Yep. He's been stabbed, I don't know how many times by there was at least There was at least one that went through a leg and should have gone through a femoral artery. Yeah. Like, should have been a killing blow. It definitely should have been. But... For some reason, it just kind of balances out. And, it's like Wolverine. Yeah. And it just kind of is a, like such a weird factor going on with that. He somehow fights it through. Layla's fighting off a security guard. Right. And that gets to be like a weird scenario as well, too. Well, the thing is, I think he's holding his own, you know, and he's trying to fight back. But, like, it's not fully kicked in yet. Like, it's not that moment like you see in, in movies and TVs where, like, oh, that's the moment. But then it's not until Layla's life is threatened. We're like, I th- I can't remember if it's Anton or if it was Harrow, but like somebody was pointing a gun at her or something. Mm-hmm. And that's when that's the moment where it's like, shit. All right, gotta turn it up. Yeah, because because even she was yelling at him like, put the suit on, put the suit on, put the suit on, and for whatever reason he just wouldn't put the suit on. Well, they kept going battle and forth because Stephen Grant was taken over, and then he went to the Mister Knight mode, which was definitely not the one that was going to do any damage. Because well, he went well, he went into Moon Knight mode, and then Stephen was like, "No, hey, I can handle this. Let me take over." Reluctantly, or somehow, Stephen took over, went to went to the Mister Knight mode, you know, and was in the suit and tuxedo. Got his ass kicked. He's like, all right, no, just kidding. Mark, you take over. Yeah, so it was a little crazy to see what's going on. But once Mark took over, he really took over. Because like I said, Layla's fighting the one bodyguard, stabs him in the throat too. Yeah. Which I was like, yeah, Disney Plus, here we go. And he winds up fighting and eliminating everybody. So now they're playing the backtrack game. And they now are trying to find the remnants of the sarcophagus. Yep. And trying to make a map happen here. Uh Uh-huh. Which is kind of crazy because... As they say, the map is 2,000 years old. Right, because it's it's a celestial star map, you know, because I guess the Egyptians invented, like, navigating by stars, or at least that's what they claim in the show. 
and they've got one from the sarcophagus or whatever they were looking at, but it doesn't make sense. And, you know, the entire time Mark and Layla are trying to put this thing together, Layla's like, no, listen, we need to talk to Steven. He's an expert in this type of thing. And Mark's reluctant, like, no, 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 I can handle, I can handle it. He breaks the wind, he breaks the side mirror off of a, uh, the vehicle they drive, which I want to know while they were driving out to this location, there was somebody, we don't see who it was, so it could probably just the henchman. We did see or hear a henchman go there. You know, I spotted them as they were driving out of town. So in theory, Harrow's aware of what they're doing or at least where they are, you know, so the Mark uh, breaks off the side mirror of this vehicle. They're driving, looks into, he goes, all right, Steven, you're up. Or, so, or something like that. And Stephen comes to me and goes, oh, elementary, my dear Watson. Takes out the tape. Goes, oh, this goes like this. Oh, it goes like this. This goes like this. Tapes it goes, boom, you know, and hold it up. And so Layla starts trying to put it together with, with some, like, app she's using on a tablet. But the thing Mark brings up is, hey, this is 2,000 years old. The stars aren't in the same place 2,000 years ago. They, they drift. Mm-hmm. So then they run into the issue of, well, fuck. Yeah. But it does turn out that Kanchu works with them crossing the line because basically when he tampers with this, he knows he's going to be imprisoned by uh-huh. the gods. But he's willing to do this to stop him at, at any cost. So they do this wild scene where he basically turns time back. Or at least the stars. To the, the stars back, yeah. It's it's just this weird scenario, which I thought they were like reversing time for a time. And then you do see that they get the location to Amit's tomb. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, literally everyone in the area and presumably around the world sees this going on. And, like, you get the shot of the folks in town going, looking out their cars going, uh, what the hell? You do see a shot of Harold going, ah, oh, he knows what's going on. Yeah, so now he knows that he's going to be having some company. But it's left that Kanshu is now taken captured by the gods. And he leaves uh, Stephen with the message of, hey, when I get captured, tell Mark to come for me. Yes. Or to, or to come for me. Yeah, so that's how the episode ends with Stephen unconscious on the ground. And basically, it's the end of Moon Knight. Well, well, then Conscious in prison, we do get like a monologue from Harrow, basically him. like he And even him says, oh, can he hear me? Yeah. And, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're pretty sure he can. And he gives this whole monologue of like what his plan is. Yeah, it's kind of a wild scene. But it definitely ends on, a, on an awkward note. But, I mean, like I say, there's so much going on with this show. And I thought they really spent a lot of time this episode dealing with the whole Egyptian god factor. Yeah. More so, like, I don't know if it really came off as well. Sure. I mean, I, I dug the Egyptian god stuff. And I dug, you know, introducing the other avatars and the other Egyptian gods. And I dug the action. It just, for me, it feels like the overall story is still such a slow burn. Yeah. Which I don't mind if it's an extended series. If it's like 12, 13, 14, 15, what, like even 20 some odd episodes. I don't mind that. But it's only six and we're halfway through. Yeah. Like, it's really got to start picking up for me. I think they're going to. I think they have no choice right now because with three episodes left, we really got to get to the end of this story. At least whatever incarnation this is going to be. Got to start cooking with gas. And I think they are. I think everything I've heard about episode four yet has been saying that get ready. It's going to be the wildest one you've ever seen. So like whatever that's supposed to mean is going to be the benchmark we set for. So that being said, they're definitely taking the slow route to get there. But I feel that they're really going to have to be like Hawkeye, which, you know, it took a while to get there. But once they did, it sped up. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the new Disney Plus formula, but I think that's going to be something for it. Yeah, maybe. So we'll have to kind of wait and see about it going into next week. But there's a lot, a lot to discuss about this, though, moving forward. So that said, Pat, final thoughts. Uh, like I said, really enjoyed the episode overall, but just it's too much of a slow burn for me. I mean, if if this series were 12 episodes, I'd be all right with that because I'm like, hey, I know we got more time coming. But we're halfway through the show. I feel like this is just going to be a sprint to the finish, and it might feel a little rushed. I, I, maybe Who knows? Maybe I'll be wrong. Uh, but I enjoyed it overall. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it as well. I thought there was a lot of great stuff with this. Uh, definitely a different turn with the Egyptian god focus. I wasn't expecting all that for this episode. Like, I thought they would dive into the origin of how Kanchu took over Mark Spector, but they didn't. So I am surprised that we're going to do that. I hope they don't try making that an episode, like episode 5. Right. You know, to give you, like, the whole backstory finally, because I think that'd be bad timing with it. But I'm really interested to see what the hell is going to happen going into next week. Like, this is where this show has really got to step the game up. And I think they're going to, but, man, I got no idea where we're going to head to. 
But that leaves for the best discussion. So ODPH Society, hit us up. Let us know. Hashtag ODPH Pod. What is your thoughts about Moon Knight? Episode 3 entitled The Friendly Type. Let's discuss. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And, well, we're at the end, so to speak. Part two. Dot, dot, dot. Part two of the never-ending story. Well, of, no, there's, a, there's an ending. Of The Walking they're Dead. Just, they're just taking a while to get there. No, nah, they're doing so many damn spinoffs. It's just never going to end. But part two of the final season's run has now finally come to a close. Yep. So the long-running zombie apocalypse show is almost at the home stretch. Eight more episodes after this one of the flagship show before the numerous and numerous spinoffs take hold. Yep. So that said, we've got a lot to discuss about episode 16 of season 11, titled Acts of God. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, you know the deal by now if you've made it this far. So definitely hit the pause button if you need to, because after the countdown, we go deep diving. So in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? I thought it was an all right episode. You know, it felt a little bit like a mid-season finale, but if, I felt like it could have used a little more oomph to it, you know, a little more punch to it. There was certainly some action. There was certainly some tension. Leaves things on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Not the greatest cliffhanger I've ever seen, but they're a little bit of a cliffhanger with what's going on. Uh, it could have used a little more oomph. Daryl Wick came back. Yeah. That's the one takeaway I got from this episode. Also, let's get fucking biblical. Yeah, we had to go into a weird direction on this show. And to say you're in a weird direction on Zombie Apocalypse is saying something. You like a show where they use the fucking nuclear bomb. It's already gotten weird. Oh, it's gotten weird in in the Fear of the Walking Dead, which I can't wait. It's coming back next week. So trust me, we're going to be talking about that on this show. But for what we got here, this has been the whole rise of the Commonwealth. And this has basically been how the insanity of Lance has now driven the uh, proverbial... The cart's off a cliff. Yeah, like everything is all types of upside down here. Josh Hamilton, who plays Lance, the slimy deputy of the Commonwealth, has been slowly but surely trying to eliminate threats to, that he feels is to the Commonwealth and his entitled vision of what it should be. I'd I'd say the man is a few cards short of a full deck, but this man has no deck. This, yeah. this man is certifiably insane. Yeah. Like, I understand you having an agenda and, you know, it might not match or march along with what the actual leader of the Commonwealth is, but, like, there's ulterior motives and then there's this. Yo. Yeah, he's completely off his rocker. Because at this point, he cannot deal with the fact that Maggie doesn't want to deal with him. Uh-huh. And he says, well, you know what? Fuck him. We're just going to take it over. Because why? Reasons. So he leads the attack, basically, of what he's thinking about just completely taking it by force. Yeah. And Maggie is basically preparing for this attack and saying, well, she's got to get on the offensive. In yeah, her own right. and, and she's gotten a tip off that they're coming. She gets Herschel out of out of Dodge, and Herschel's like, no, I can stay. I want to help. And she's like, uh-uh, no, we're not doing this. No, so weirdly, she trusts him with Negan, yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey Dean Morgan, yeah. going through that hero renaissance right now, uh-huh. is now in a situation where he is being the guardian of Herschel. Man, this is so so it's so weird. It's so weird. It hurts I me. I dig to say. it though. Yeah, I mean it's different. I gotta i I'll give you that. 
And then this is where, you know, Negan is basically kind of seeing eye to eye with Maggie, which, like I say, knowing the back history between those two, I uh-huh. I, I, I struggle with this. I, I would not falter for just not even saying a word, putting a bullet in between his eyeballs, given the circumstances, totally understand it. But the fact that she is to this point and is almost trusting him to a, to a degree, mm-hmm. very interesting. It definitely is very interesting, and it's kind of weird to see happen, though. But this is also going to kind of play into fold because Maggie obviously knows that she's getting hunted. And who is after her? Uh, Daryl's ex-girlfriend, Leah. Yes, who has been the one killing everybody of the Commonwealth to get the supplies. Almost as crazy as uh, Lance. Yeah, so they fit right together. So it's a perfect pairing. And this is where Leah actually gets the upper hand on Maggie and kidnaps her. Yeah. Which is like wild to think just how precision she is about doing this kills one of the uh members of maggie's hilltop community uh while they're they booby trap the house at hilltop you know when leah's soldiers or lance's soldiers whoever the hell they are they weren't in the white uniforms they were in black uniforms Mm -hmm. they go into the house the house explodes because hey that place isn't already enough you know in shambles let's blow it up even more you know and then they go to escape and the one person stands up and gets shot in the back of the head drops dead and i go oh fuck yeah and then who they Get down. And who is it? Leah. Yeah. So this is kind of the crazy scenario that she now has Maggie and is going to basically kill her, but takes her time getting around to that point. Mm-hmm. And then the side story going on this episode is we have the unlikely trio of Aaron, Gabriel, and Daryl. Yeah. Who are still with the Commonwealth, so to speak. Buying but, their time. But Daryl knows something's up. Uh-huh. And they get into this setup, which they're let out into a field. It's like an old junkyard. Yep. And Daryl kind of gets the upper hand because, well, the Commonwealth tips it a little bit because they go surround them in a circle. Well, and they know they're on borrowed time just from the the last episode where they're like, hey, this is only going to work. They're basically like, hey, this is only going to work for so long. We got to come up with a plan. Yeah. So once they come up with this, it's really interesting to see how this all shapes up because we get to do an old standoff here where Daryl goes Daryl Wick. Yeah. And has two guns and is killing everybody. Fucking loved it. Yeah, which, I mean, I, I understand why. I get it. He held the two guns. He didn't fire them at the same time, though. I think at one point he did. No, I was just like, no. I was like, but he's doing this. And then he kind of throws the gun to Aaron. Who, he throws the gun to Aaron, who's using his ball and chain hand to use it to stabilize the damn thing. Looking awesome as hell. Yeah, he's looking awesome as hell. But he took some shots in the arm, though, too. Yeah. Way, so yeah. he didn't come out unscathed. So as they're sitting there taking out everybody... Somehow, some way, like everybody's having their action moment of the show. Daryl's a little combat trained now, having spent some time with the stormtroopers. I'll call them. I'll, g- I'll give you that. You know, he's he's got some military training now, so he was going cover to he was going cover to cover. You know, leaning around the corners for gunfire, looking down the sight, wasn't firing blindly. You know, so he had some military training going. Aaron was seems to have a little bit of military training or some expertise. Gabriel. I got to criticize because I watched the episode twice. Gabriel is looking down the site with his ba- his blind eye. Yeah. Notice that one. That was that was a little bit of a oopsie on the production end of things. The, uh, Gabriel using his blind eye. Uh, but no, they make it through. I think partially through the cover and a little bit of luck. And then also partially because, well, they were dealing with each other. And then also those zombies in the area coming up on them. Yeah. So it is a little crazy scenario seeing what's going on. But they wind up surviving somehow some way. Then the story shifts back to Maggie and Leah, and Leah is doing the t- typical supervillain, yeah, taking her time, tormenting her. Doesn't be- want to do it either. Yeah, she's kind of having second thoughts because which- she seems pretty determined and hellbent on what she wants to do. Because she's like, I- Maggie even says, "Oh, you're going to finally get what you want," blah, blah blah. And then she she basically goads her into like, "Hey, come on, do it." And she raises the gun at her, and it's shaking like an earthquake. Yeah, which I, I did not see coming. I'm like, no. I go, she's been killing everybody with ease. Like, why are you freezing up now? It's like you're you're in the moment where you're going to have your biggest triumph, and yet you choke. Yeah. You have one chance. You're going to take advantage or let it slip. Q8 mile. But this is where it gets a little, you know, theatrical for the show, and I get it. And Maggie gets freed, and they have the big standoff, and, you know, they have a great fight, which, I mean, whatever yeah. jitters Leah had at that moment go out the window. She's got fight the or flight. She's got, yeah, she's got the knife ready at her throat. And then she's about ready to go kill Maggie because she has her pinned down. And all of a sudden, boom, shot in the head by Daryl. Daryl. 
called that. I saw as soon as the gunshot went off, I just went, Daryl. Oh, yeah, I think everybody knew that. So he comes in, you know, nonchalant, like, you know, hey, what's going on? Well, because he figures, he figures it out at one point when he, Gabriel, and Aaron are in the woods, and he just goes, oh, it's Leah. Yeah. Like, somehow he figures that out, which, I mean, like, I understand, like, maybe he had an idea, but it's, it's what like what you get how, for playing the nice guy. Yeah, it's just, like, Daryl doing Daryl things. But they've now survived being attacked by the Commonwealth soldiers. Yep. They know the big, you know, setup happened. Well, and Lance knows something's up, too, just because back when Daryl killed the entire crew that was basically holding him hostage, mm-hmm. uh, Lance goes to check in with the, the guy, that the leader, uh, of that group, and he calls his name out over the radio. Daryl picks up the radio and goes, "He ain't here no more." Yeah, and just basically doesn't talk to him anymore. And Lance goes, "All right, we gotta go." Yeah. So now Lance is very, very worried because, well, it's now been tipped off what's happening. And he also knows Leah isn't on the up and up because he makes it to the hilltop house after it's been blown to shit, and Leah's chasing after Maggie, and he he raiders into Maggie. He's like Maggie, basically like Maggie, where are you? She's like, oh, I'm, you know, I've. What, he's like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I flushed him out. You know, yeah, but you got my men killed. Collateral damage. Mm. And he's like, well, son of a fucking bitch. Yeah. So it, it's interesting to see how they kind of speed things up because as you see, the remaining survivors are basically saying, okay, we have to go take the Commonwealth out. Yep. So you have the army of Maggie, Daryl, Gabriel, Aaron, and Negan. Uh-huh. Which, like I say, it's it's a man I want to have in a fight. Let me just say, well, yeah, but he's not he's not as mean willed as he used to be once upon a time. But damn it, he can still kill a person. He's definitely you know can go across that line if he, he needs he to. Can, he can tap into it. So now it's them versus the Commonwealth. So if you're going to go out blazing, I mean, you got eight episodes to really do something. If you're going to do it, this is the time to see it because now we do get a quick flash to the Commonwealth and Pamela, the president uh-huh. of the Commonwealth, is really trying to find out what's going on with some interesting newspaper clippings that uh, her assistant Max has dug up. And you're seeing about how Pamela lies. Like, that's the essential gist of it. It's like anti-propaganda stuff. Mm -hmm. And you see how Lance gets involved, too. Yeah. So you're wondering, like, my tip-off was, like, he has to be behind this. There is something going on there. Because, I mean, ultimately, he wants control of everything. Oh, yeah. So my guess is he's involved, and there's like a weird standoff with Max. So as they're kind of figuring out their ways, it kind of goes to where Lance is basically having that Breaking Bad moment where he realizes that he's now taken over all the communities yep. to end the show. So you do see yeah. the, the the banner of the Commonwealth drop on Hilltop. Hilltop's wall, you see the Welcome to Alexandria sign, and the Commonwealth flag drops over that one. Yeah, so... The big dream has been realized, so to speak. Uh-huh. And Oceanside is taken captured, too. And Lance rolls up there. So, like, they do flash forward a little bit. Uh-huh. And he has everybody lined up a la Negan. Uh-huh. And he goes all two-face on him. Yeah, which Flips I'm like. A coin. So we go from eeny, meeny, miny, mo to a coin flip. Uh-huh. And that's how we end the season. I got an idea how that coin landed. Not well if you're an Oceanside resident. Oh, I can't imagine it's got to. I mean, it's, somebody, somebody should have checked that coin to make sure it wasn't double-sided. Oh, yeah, which I, I fully think it is with him because he's so off his rocker. I mean, anything's uh-huh. possible. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm not putting any stock into him. I said, well, do you think he did the damn thing? I'm, I'm fully banking on this guy going, heads, I kill you. Tails, I kill you. Well, son of a bitch, would you look at that? Yeah, because, I, I mean, there's no other way he's going to do it for how manic he's been acting. Oh, absolutely, season. because unless you're in lockstep with how he thinks and what his train of thought is, screw you, I'm going to kill you. Exactly. So... That's how that se- that show ends for the season. You know, I, I missed that whole lesson in Leadership 101 back in college. Well, you know, it's it's wild to see how this all shapes up because you're looking at it going, okay, he's running crazy through this entire Commonwealth. Yep. Pamela either has a blind eye or she's in the game, too. We don't know. And yet you have the remaining survivors that we know, the Team Daryl, is now putting up the resistance against him. Right. We didn't see what happened with Carol this episode. We didn't see what happened with some of the other characters we know. 
And obviously, is that going to come into a conflict with how they're set up in the Commonwealth now? Right. Too? The only other storyline we saw was with Eugene and his crew, and they were they were basically doing like you know the uh, undercover operative newspaper thing. Like they got some news story that they're you know some list that they're trying to expose that'll really expose the Commonwealth for how bad it actually is, but they can't publish it until they crack the code. You know, so that's kind of still going. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't think he was the one at the end with the newspapers. No. Like I say, that's why I didn't want to connect one and one to with that. But yeah, he's up to something too. But I fully think it's like Pamela or Lance work and everybody. Yeah. Like ultimately, that's how it's got to shape up with this show. But for a, a, a season finale or like whatever you want to find this part, I, I agree with you. I thought it fell flat. No, I mean it was all right. It, it was okay. It, it was all right. You know, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. But like, it definitely could have used a little more oomph. You know, a little more. I didn't leave, you know, knowing that the next episode of this final season isn't coming until some point in August. They didn't say when, they just said August 2022. You know, it didn't leave me going, holy shit, I can't wait for the next part to start. You know, I need it now. Like, I'm just like, all right, it's going to come and I'll, and I'll watch it. But, like, I I feel like if you're going to do a mid-season what, or whatever the hell you want to call it finale, leave me wanting more. Leave me wanting to see it next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you about this because I fully didn't think it went through. So, that being said, we do have some time till we get the final yep. eight episodes. Yep. Thankfully, we got Fear the Walking Dead coming back. I'm excited about that. So, we'll definitely be talking about that in next week's show. But, for this one song, I don't know how I'm feeling going into the next eight episodes. I'm intrigued. I'm, 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 I'm this far, so yeah. I'm going to finish it out. But I'm looking at like what else is going on. We do know. So the, also the other thing we didn't talk about this episode is the fucking locusts. Yeah. What the what? shit was going on with this? I got no idea. It's got to be leading to something. That's the only thing I could think of too. Like it was definitely going somewhere with it, but because like, you kept having it appear throughout the episode, like it kept getting closer and closer to the point where like they were dropping out of the sky. Yeah. And and you had Negan at one point go, well, if that isn't a sign from the man upstairs. Yeah. Exactly. So let's it, get biblical. Yeah, it's going to be weird when it's all said and done with this. So I don't know. I, I really don't know what to go with this. But we're in the long haul for it, so we'll definitely be covering it when it comes back. And obviously with the, the million one spinoffs. And I know they showed a little preview for Tales of the Walking Oh, Dead. yeah, yeah, the anthology yeah, series. Yeah, which I'm like, all right, let's kind of see what happens. It's a one-off. I might be. I might, I'll give it a shot. I might be in for that. Like, if it's not going to be a long, drawn-out thing. If you give me Lee and Clementine, I'll be in for it. But, no. other, but other than that, I'm, I'm not... I'm not really gung ho about it. I'm just it is, it is what it is. But that's kind of where we're at with The Walking Dead. But like I said, thank God we got fear coming next week. But until that point, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about the mid-season finale-ish asterisks of The Walking Dead? The flagship show has got eight more episodes, and then we bid it a fond to do. But until then, how are you feeling going into it? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Chris from the Geek P Podcast here with my two co-hosts, Trent. What up? And Brandon. Yo, yo. Here at the Geek Peak, we strive to provide you the best content from all across the pop culture multiverse. Think of us as your content concierge, seeking out all the best movies, TV, games, and music to save your valuable time. We have a different adult beverage every week, and we like to keep things light and fresh, so come hang out with us. So check us out on all your favorite podcasting platforms. That's Geek Peak. Like a mountain! And check out our site at geekpeakpod.com. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. The first of which I did not see coming, but holy fucking shit, I'm excited. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 4 got announced. Hey! Yeah, so uh, this past Sunday, this on Sunday this week, uh, Square Enix folks over in Tokyo had an event that was broadcast in there, and then the video was put out for the entire world to see. Uh, but of course, this year is the 20th anniversary of the first Kingdom Hearts game uh, releasing over in Japan and over here in the States. Uh, they gave out a, it was a seven minute trailer, uh, showed three, uh, it was a seven minute video, I should say, gave you three trailers. Uh, the first trailer of which was for the mobile game Dark Paths, which is about two characters that were introduced in the series, uh, 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 Master Ericus and then uh, Xehanort. It was when they were young. It's basically how they got to where they are. It was a trailer saying, hey, this story is going to be wrapping up. I think they said that's coming out in August of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave another trailer for an upcoming uh, mobile game called Kingdom Hearts The Missing Link. Uh, didn't give a release date for that. Just said that a beta, oh, beta, alpha test or whatever would be coming some point 
uh, this year. But then they gave a trailer that they didn't really delete and didn't tease what it was. Looked realistic as all fucking hell. Showed off a very realistic looking Sora. Uh, Basically, it was him in the realm if you got the secret ending for Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, which I did. You know, it was him in this realm that looks a lot like Tokyo. It looked a lot like it was over in Japan, but it's not. It's called Quadratum, I think is how you pronounce it. Could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was basically, and you saw him with a female character. If you don't recognize who she is, uh, her name is Streliza. She was from one of the other mobile games that came out. I'm sure we will learn very quickly who she is uh, once the game comes out. Uh, But then it gave a little bit of gameplay, which looks amazing. Borrows a lot of some of the mechanics you see from Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, but it looks realistic as fucking hell. And I know a lot of people got thrown off by the way the game looks. And like, oh, that, because if you look at how Sora's looked over the course of the games and how he looks in this trailer, totally different than how he's looked even from a couple of years ago when the last game came out. Yeah. It appears that's how he's going to look for this world or wherever the hell he is. Because the one thing that got brought up in the trailer was, you know, all where uh, Streliza said, oh, for you and I, it's an afterworld. Mm-hmm. You know, so presumably while you're in this world that's how he's going to look because once they showed the logo it cut to a a scene of donald and goofy who look like they do from the game show it's it's just to show hey this isn't how the game is going to look for the entire thing just this little portion and it you know donald and goofy are walking along with donald's wand and he's got donald says yo i wonder you think he can really help us find him i don't know but let's keep looking and then you see a blue flame light up behind him they both and he goes hey just what do you think you're doing here they freak out and then the flame turns red, mm. which there's only one person in these games that has a blue flame that turns red. And if you're familiar with the film Hercules, you know who I'm talking about. Right. Hades, Lord of the Underworld, which if they're Donald and Goofy and they figured out at least an idea of where Sora is and they need to get to the afterworld or a place called afterworld, who better to speak to than the Lord of the Underworld or the Lord of the Dead? Yeah, it looked very interesting. I mean, like I say, I'm not as big as you or Tyler from 30 and Nerdy is about the yeah. the genre, but it definitely looked Super interesting. Super excited. I just hope I'm not collecting Social Security when the game finally comes out. Yeah, there is that, too. I mean, hopefully it won't take long. I mean, the issue with the, the reason the third one <laughs> took so long is the, I know there were a whole bunch of games that came out in between, you know, two and three. But part of the issue with, with why three took so long was, one, Tetsuya Nomura was working on a game called Final Fantasy Versus 13. Uh, which then turned into Final Fantasy 15. It took probably 10 years for that game to come out. I'm not joking. Uh, and then the so that was part of the issue was he was working on one game for basically 10 years. Mm-hmm. And that because that game was originally supposed to come out in 2006, I want to say, and it didn't come out until like 2015, 2016. So absurdly long amount of time. And then the other issue was a little bit into development. I don't know th- I don't know if they were super far enough, but I know they were far enough into development that it caused issues. They decided to switch what type of engine the game runs on. Interesting. You know, so essentially for those of you who might not understand what I'm talking about, say you're working on a co- on a paper in co- if you say you're in college and you're working on a paper at school and you're typing up the paper on a Mac. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to your house or your dorm room and you go to type it on your PC. And let's just say this is a time and point where Microsoft Word doesn't exist on on Apple products. You know, so you're using micro, uh, Apple's own version. You know, so you go back to your dorm room and you go, well, shit, I can't bring my paper over to my Microsoft PC because, you know, I typed it up on something that's not Word. F- fuck, you know, that, it's that type of thing. So basically they switched game engines. Nothing was compatible. They had to start at square one. So I know they used Unreal Engine 4. Unreal Engine 5 just came out. So ho- hopefully it's going to be an easy, smooth transition for them. No delays, and hopefully we'll get it soon. They did not give a release date, but that's typical for them. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, we got to wait and see about this one. Yeah. Uh, switching over to some television news, uh, we will be losing at least kind of uh, one of the series regulars on The Flash. Ooh. And that is Jesse L. Martin. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, so uh, this according to an article from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, it reads, Jesse L. Martin is plotting for a future without The Flash. The actor who plays Joe West in the CWDC Comics series has closed a deal to start in the NBC drama pilot, The Irrational. Uh, Then goes into describe a little bit about the show and what he would play. Uh, The article does go on to say, though, uh, there it is. Uh, The role is in first position. Uh, Sources say Martin will return for the previously announced ninth season of The Flash, but will no longer be a series regular though he is expected to appear in multiple episodes. The CW renewed The Flash in March, and here comes the interesting part. 
While no formal announcement has been made, sources say there has been talk of the series coming to a conclusion with an abbreviated final season, close quote. Now, they haven't said anything about this being the final season, right. but it could be. It's been heavily rumored, so I'm not... I am surprised about this, but if he's leaving to start doing something else, the writing might be on the wall. I mean, be. we've we've all kind of speculated about this enough yeah. times that something could be going on with the Flash. I mean, yeah, Arrow is the longest running show until then, so oh, yeah. we got to kind of wait and see how this all plays out. If it is a short season, though, I think that might be a smart move. But it yeah. all depends on what they want to do. And if you're gonna be, it's gonna be a short and final season. Go, you know what, to the wall. Go crazy. Yeah, exactly. Don't hold back. You need to. Uh huh. Sticking with some DC TV, uh, we learned uh, just this past week that Aqualad is going to be getting his own HBO Max series. Really? Uh, courtesy of Charlize Theron. Yeah. So this from an article on IGN.com reads, uh, quote, HBO Max is adding another live-action DC series to its upcoming slate. According to Variety, the series will serve as an origin story for the Jackson Hyde version of Aqualad. Variety reports that the series is specifically based on the 2020 graphic novel You Brought Me the Ocean from writer Alex Sanchez and artist Julie Marot. That book casts Jackson, Jake, Hyde as a landlocked teenager living in New Mexico, coming to terms with his father's death, his sexuality, and his strange fascination with the ocean. The book also introduces Jake's boyfriend, swim team captain Kenny Liu. No writers or actors have been announced for the series yet. It's also unclear whether the series is connected to the DCEU and James Wan, James Wan's Aquaman movies. However, Variety reports that Charlize Theron will executive produce the series alongside A.J. Dix, Beth Kono, and Andrew Haas of Denver and Delilah Films. So, hey, we're getting an Aqualad show. Interesting. I'm all for it. I, I'm definitely all for it. I did not even hear anything about this on the radar until you just mentioned. So, um, uh, initial thoughts, like, definitely down with the show. Definitely excited to see what they're going to wind up doing. It's interesting because they can't connect it to Titans <laughs> since they already nope. had a they already had a Aqualad in there yep. at one point. So, this would be straight up DCEU. Yep. Whatever genre that is, you know, yep. variation that's going to be. But listen, I'm excited for it. So let's let's do it. Yeah. And then uh, some more DC news. We got a release date for when the Batman is going to be arriving on HBO Max. Ooh. Uh, that is April 18th, and then it'll be on traditional HBO on April 23rd. Uh, you know, this is of course in line with HBO. If you're keeping track at home, that's HBO Max. That's 45 days exactly after its theatrical release. Okay. Uh, so that's super excited for that. I know I'm excited to watch it again. Still going to see it with my girlfriend. Uh, so we might end up seeing it that way because movies are going to be getting real busy coming up here very soon. Oh, yes, they are. Uh, and then but, uh, switching over to some Disney news, uh, we got an uh, interview from uh, Giancarlo Esposito on the Rich Eisen show, uh, which hinted at when we might get season three of The Mandalorian. Ooh, do tell. Yeah, so uh, this from an article on IGN.com. Uh, which reads, uh, The Mandalorian Season 3 could be heading to our screens a lot sooner than we thought, at least according to Star Wars villain Giancarlo Esposito. During an interview with The Rich Eisen Show, Esposito hinted that the new season of Mandalorian could debut on Disney Plus this summer. Uh, He said, quote, You'll get it soon. You'll get it soon. I've got a few more things to do in regards to that to put some finishing touches on uh, on it in what I do. But I think there will, I think it will be sometime this summer. No set no date yet set yet no date set yet but it's coming soon close quote so it sounds like he doesn't have much to do maybe a couple of pickup shots here sure. close up shots there special effects stuff you know sprinkled through i'd heard rumors that it had wrapped filming so it sounds like they're just doing post production stuff ah shit you know we we screwed up this one shot we got got to go back and do that again so but it sounds like we're very close to getting it sooner the better I, obviously, they're going to take their time with it. It's not like Disney Plus is uh, hurting for content. <laughs> no, they're not. By any means. So I would guess, if I have to make an unofficial ODPH guess, we will see it in November. Could be. I think they like doing Star Wars at the end of the year. Could I think be. that's something they're really big about. So. Could be. And plus, I don't know if I'm doing my math right. Do, do, do. Cross the I's, dot the T's. Um, you got Miss Marvel coming out in June. Yep. Right after She-Hulk. Yep. And then Secret Invasion has not been announced. There's also supposed to be uh, Season 2 of Bad Batch at some point this year, I think, too. Yeah, so they're going to have to juggle around a bit because I know they don't like competing with each other. Obi-Wan Kenobi's in May. All right. So, yeah. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i go on the limb. I'm going to say Black Friday. That's when they'll drop it that week. 
Could be. Uh, and then over to some AMC news. It was confirmed by uh, Better Call Saul's co-creator Peter Gould that we will get Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul reprising their roles as Walter White yes. and Jesse Pinkman. Excited about this. Uh, so this was reported by Variety, that, and uh, Gould announced, uh, this is from an article on IGN.com, uh, Gould announced the news at Paley Fest LA at the Better Call Saul panel, uh, but shared little else as to how they will make their return. He said, quote, I don't want to spoil things for the audience, but I will say the first question we had when we started this show was, are we going to see Walt and Jesse on the show? Instead of evading, I'll just say, yeah. How or the circumstances or anything, you'll just have to discover that for yourself. But I have to say that that's one of the many things that you'll, I think you'll discover this season. Uh, of course, Better Call Saul is about uh, starring Bob Odenkirk, and it's about uh, J- Jimmy McGill, Saul Goodman, before he became the character we saw him in Breaking Bad. Mm. Been a very good show. Yes. Fantastic show. Yeah, I'm excited about this. And, like, if you can give them in a flashback sequence, because that's how it's got to be. Yeah. I mean, if not, I think that would really tarnish the legacy of Breaking yeah. Bad. Yeah. Listen, give it to me, give it to me now. Yeah, Vince Gilligan also confirmed the news, saying it would be a damn shame if these two characters didn't show up. Uh, he said, quote, these two worlds cross over in a way that you haven't seen before. That's for sure. I, it would be a damn shame if the show ended without Cranston and Paul appearing, would it not? Uh, so for uh, those of you who want to see this, uh, the final sixth and final season of Better Call Saul premieres on April 18th on AMC. Uh, and it will conclude uh, in the second part of the season that begins on July uh, 11th. So next week? Uh, starts up next week. Eh, definitely set the DVR for that. Uh-huh. And then lastly, but certainly not leastly, we had a record-breaking comic book sold at auction. Oh? No, it's not Superman. No, it's not Batman. It's Captain America. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, this is a near-mint copy of Captain America Comics issue number one, and it sold for a record-breaking 3.1 million dollars wow yeah so this was sold on august or excuse not august april 7th 2022 by heritage auctions as part of its comics and comic art signature collection uh and so basically the auction listing gave a little bit of why this particular copy is such a big deal uh it read in part quote as any comic fan knows the famous adolf hitler cover one of the most infamous comic book covers ever produced nor would any collector fail to know that this is the first appearance of the red skull and naturally, it's also the first appearance of Captain America and Bucky, all by the immortal creative team Jose of Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Uh, additionally, the reason why this sold for so much goddamn money is it is a part of uh, the legendary Tom Riley pedigree collection. Mm. So this is a collection, if you're not familiar, it sur- surfaced in the 1970s and was some of the best examples of early comic books. Uh, the listing said, quote, It is rumored that Tom Riley began collecting comic books in the late 1930s, but after he was drafted into the military, he asked his parents to continue buying comic books for him while he was gone. Uh, these comic books are recognized by a telltale stamp on the back cover depicting Riley's signature and are thought to be some of the highest quality books available. Uh, so this is a legend. This is from a legendary collection, near mint, near mint condition. You know, I can totally understand it. And hey, to whoever owns this copy or this edition, uh, congratulations. Congrats to you. Damn. Yeah. That is wild to me on a, a whole different bunch of levels. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously the book is worth that much. I'm not, I'm oh, not, yeah. I'm not questioning the price of that. I'm just surprised that that went for more than action comics and tech. Well, it came close. The final uh, settled price was three, $3,120,000. Action Comics was for 3.2. Okay. So it's just barely under it. Yeah. And then the only thing more than either of those was the copy of uh, Amazing Fantasy number 15, which was the first appearance of Spider-Man. That sold last year for $3.6 million. See, that's just a lot of numbers. I apologize if I missed those. I was just in there processing in my head, like how Captain America ranked up there with those books. Because oh, like, yeah. I, I always just think in my head, it's like nothing will ever top Action Comics number one. Like nothing will. So like if when you're reading off those numbers, I'm like, wait, that doesn't make sense. And like, but yet it does. Right. You know. So like that's why I say like, that's insane though, just to think about it. But damn. Right. And it's a high grade too because the article I'm reading from on IGN.com does end by saying 
Uh, quote, there are thought to be only three copies of Captain America, Captain America Comics number one at the high uh, CGC 9.4 grade. That's the comic grading company uh, that like you send your if you have a famous or well-known issue, you can send it into them. They'll grade it based on a scale of like one to ten. One being this ain't worth fucking nothing and ten being uh, you've got a fortune on your hands. Yes. Uh, and it says with only one other. So the article goes on to say with only one other copy ever coming up for auction. A sold copy is thought to exist at the CGC 9.8 grade, but it has never been brought to auction. So there's one there's one issue out there that's almost a perfect 10, or believed to be, but it's never been brought to auction. So Lord knows where this thing is. That's insane, yeah. yeah. What a story, man. That's mind-blown on that. So I'll see if I can recover here because I had such a loaded week for reviews for comics that I definitely want to be plugging what's coming out. Had some friends of the show drop some books off to us, Pad. Okay. So sent over to us by the fine folks at Bad Bug Media, courtesy of our guy Alan Dunford and his team Will Radford, Brian Volando, Jason Smith, and David Lentz. Pocus Hocus number three. Nice. So the book is about ready to get dropped on Kickstarter. Got the review up, and my God, man, this thing was a wild read. I loved every minute of this. If you're not following what they're doing with Pocus Hocus, you need to get on board ASAP. They are doing some big things, and I tell you what, if you got a chance to pick up this book, and you should definitely go do it, it'll be well worth the read. It's something that I remember when I first read it, I was like, I'm I'm definitely not going to like this. This is not up my alley. I'm hooked on this book. I think it's freaking fantastic. The humor on it's on point. The story is definitely picking up some good directions. I mean, as I even said in the blog, too, I was like, what other book can have a character yell, Sweet Baby Satan? And you just start laughing. Uh, probably few. Yeah, exactly. But like I say, the humor they do in this book is top-notch, and this is something that I, I can't recommend enough. Like, They're awesome people. I know Alan is already plotting when he's coming back on the show. He's welcome on anytime he wants to come on. But I know that definitely when issue four is coming, he's definitely going to be locked and loaded for coming through here. Until then, you definitely should go pick up the book because it's fantastic. Can't talk about it enough. And another book that we got sent to by a friend of ours, David Pepos. Okay. We met him down in New York Comic Con. Oh, yeah, yeah. And obviously you know him if you listen to Cheers to Comics. Shout out to our guy Brian Wayne, too. So I got to catch up with Brian about this as well because – David Pepos has a book out that is so damn cool. Like, he won a Ringo last year and well-deserved. Him and Ruben Rojas teamed up again, and they're telling the story about the OZ. And I will quote what was said in the presser for it. It is basically mixed the Wizard of Oz meets the Hurt Locker. Mm. Like, that's the exact quote that they use for the press for this. And it's spot on. It is a fantastic imaginative tale I can't recommend this one enough. I had my issue down in New York Comic Con. I haven't been able to put it down. I've been super excited to check this one out. This lives up to the hype. The story is just such a fantastic, imaginative tale that you think The Wizard of Oz. And I mean, you've seen The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This takes it to a whole different level. It is so damn cool. Like, I can't stress enough. Go support this. Because, you know, David Pepple's got a big year coming out. Savage Avengers is definitely going to be hitting the stands by Marvel. But if you really want to see some cool stuff by him, go to his website. Go check out his books. They're all fantastic. But this one is, like, one of my personal favorites of all time. Like, I love the OZ. So definitely make sure to go check that out. Also, hitting Comixology this week. Shout out to Comixology Originals. They definitely have a stellar lineup as well. Love and War is coming out. Oh. So it's written by Andrew Wheeler and Killian Ng is on the art. And this one, like I say, is not something that would be in my wheelbarrow because it's a romantic comedy book. Sure, sure. And you've never seen the world of competitive dodgeball or uh, tug of war, rather. I'm sorry. Okay. Taken to this level. But it's a very interesting story. And like I say, I would not have normally picked this up had not come across my radar for being pressed. Right. But this is something that was very interesting. It's about a character named Domo who has a little starstruck love with the team captain Gabriel who leaves school. And nobody has any idea where he went, so Domo is sitting there, and they have to fill in the void for who's going to take over as captain of the tug-of-war team. So it's an interesting dynamic to see how this gets shaken up, but it's a very fun read. I definitely was into it. I was like, I, it's something that was not really in my you know normal reading stack here. 
But it's a fun and entertaining read. The art's really popping off the page, too. And like I say, I never thought I would be like this hooked on the book. And I was like, you know what? This is a very, very great read. So if you're looking for something different, it's only on Comixology and Originals right now. It will be going to Dark Horse later this year for print. So you definitely want to go check it out. And like I say, this is something that is worth giving a run to. Like I say, if you're looking for something different in the comic stands, definitely go pick this up. It's definitely worth the time. And like I say, competitive tug of war. I never thought I'd be reading something about it. That's wild. But it's definitely something very interesting as well. So shout out to them over at Comixology Originals as well. And then, of course, our friends over at Valiant. Man, did they ever decide to drop something on us. Shadowman number eight. It's the last issue of this run. So Cullen Bunn and Pedro Andreo are tying up the Dead Side Warpad. Oh, okay. So they definitely leave it on a very, very interesting note. I don't want to spoil anything for it. But Valiant has already announced that Book of Shadows will be coming out in July. This will be immediately impacting the, that book. So if you're into Valiant, and you should be because they put out so many, so many damn good books, this is going to be right up your alley. The Dead Side War has been an event that you ne- definitely need to go check out. Cullen Bunn crushes it on everything he writes, and the artwork by Andreo is freaking top-notch. I even screamed on the blog, I need to see more of that artwork in my comic repertoire. Like, it is that damn good. And then closing out the list, got to talk some Mighty Morphin number 18. Okay. So obviously you know I've become a big fan of the book series by Boom Studios. Shout out to Boom. And Mighty Morphin 18 by Matt Groom and Moises Hidalgo is definitely taking the reins. Obviously, the Altarian War left a big, big, you know, ramifications throughout the entire Power Rangers universe. So this one definitely picking up that the story goes. They have to find a new command center because obviously it didn't make it through the Altarian War. I got, I got, I shouldn't have to say spoiler about this because right. it's right on the cover. So I'm just going to say that. It's a great read. It's a fun read. And obviously, they got a lot of things happening with the Power Rangers universe over at Boom. So you definitely want to go check that out. Man, oh, man, oh, man. There is so much other good stuff, too. I know Image 30th, the anthology number one, came out this week, too. Ooh. It's crazy to me, especially being an old-time comic head, that 30 years of Image Comics. And, like, I remember where I was when I picked up my first Image comic. And to think now it's 30 years is like... That's crazy. Yeah, it's like the world has just flown by. So it is insane for me to sit there and go pick that issue up. And there is a lot more other stuff that is out there that you definitely want to go check out. So that's why I say go hit up your local comic shops. They will definitely tell you some good recommendations and go support your favorite independent comic podcast because we're all putting some work in to let you know what to go pick up at the racks each week. So that being said... The music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that a shout at the robots. They're making some noise, too, this year. I know they got some plans lined up. They're kind of teasing a little bit something, something here and there. Pat, where do I go to find out about them? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. Check out everything going on with Shout. Everything going on with Floodland. Second Suitor. Tom Jolo. Yard Party. Brian Wolf, who we announced on the sports podcast. Got a big, big album release going on, on June 4th down in Texas. So you definitely want to make plans to attend to that if you can. But you can find out about all those great plans they got going on right at the music section but while you're at the website swing on over to the parlay points section which we got blogs coming out so you want to talk comics i got them all right there if you want to talk pro wrestling we got them all right there coach duffy allegedly is going to be doing the nick swan song so if you want to talk about some basketball (laughs) with coach duffy allegedly we're getting something from him so we'll just have to see about that and of course our guy dre driven is dropping some moon knight recaps as well so you definitely want to keep an eye out for that on all under the parlay points banner also check out the classified section heads friends of the show organizational link support and black lives matter all the amazing pod groups we're in so shout out to the inner circle shout out to the polyps shout out to 607 podcast and of course 8122 productions big plans going on there pad Ooh, big big plans so if you want to find out the early scoop about that patreon.com 8122 productions all that the directory which how many providers are we on now Eighteen thousand four hundred and two correct so you definitely want to find the odph on your favorite podcast platform boom it's right there you can't make it any easier that the t public store sale going on this week items up to 35 percent off t-shirts starting at 13 bucks pad you need some new swag for the spring of course so you know where you got to go all of that and so much more odphpodcast.com that's all I got for this week. So for the one only, Pat one J. Uh, one last thing. If you're looking for something to watch this weekend on April 15th for a limited time, the entire 25 Bond movie catalog will be added to Amazon Prime. So that is every film excluding the 1967 Casino Royale and 1983's Never Say Never Again. Those aren't official Bond movies. But all the other 25 from Dr. No all the way to No Time to Die will be available to watch on Amazon Prime. Ooh, damn. 
Ooh. So if you need something to watch this this weekend, there you go. Boom, right there you go. Wow. I'm your host, Kenneth. How am I supposed to come back from that? How? I can't. So that's why we'll just say thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.